Things are going to start happening to me now. You've done all the reading. You're a scholar. You're a professor. You've done all the reading. You've done the intellectual heavy lifting. More or less, he shouldn't die. You wouldn't know a fact if it begged you all night long. Want to like, um, you know, give the wrong impression because I am, I I am very high. Fucking ran up behind him with a hatchet. Smash, smash, smash. Yeah, care. I'm a libertarian. What I'm getting is, did what? you vote for Joe Jorgensen or Trump? Who? That's Joe the, Jorgensen. That was the perfect answer. Thank you. <laughs> that was Welcome, everybody, to the Libertarian Podcast Review. I know Mark Clare gets a lot of praise for his new open, but come on, Mark. That's a, that's a solid open. I mean, there, I did man. none of the work on my. I mean, you edited that. I assume you edited it together. I mean, yeah. You did more, I did a lot of coordination, but I didn't do a lot of actual manual labor. So I, I respect your open. I, Mark I, Clare, I, got, I laughed twice, you know? What more can you I, ask I saw. I saw that. Mark Clare, the uh, former Lions of Liberty, the Mark Clare show man. We're going to talk about some, the man in the mirror, as he likes to call himself. Uh, we're going to go through a few things. And by the way, what you just mentioned there is kind of the topic I'm looking at, which is podcasting, right? You've done a lot of this over your lives. You're kind of like one of the seminal people, especially in the libertarian sphere. And so what is it like to do podcasts and all that stuff? So we'll get into it. But before that, let's, let's start from the top here. First of all, how are you doing? I'm doing very good. Quite good. How about yourself? I, I'm doing well. I appreciate it. Um, one of the things I want to do is just like have a conversation. H as a podcaster, how do you get just a conversation and it's mm. not just an interview? And is that dictated on kind of the guest or what do you think? That is a that is an interesting distinction that I think is actually kind of hits on a key point, which I, I think is what makes some podcasts more successful than others. Like, for example, I think the Joe Rogan podcast, I mean, one of the, yeah. maybe the biggest podcast ever, it got really big because people it was resonating with people, but it but it was so different than I don't even know there weren't even that many podcasts out there, but different than traditional radio yeah. or you know when you just have like a sit down fifteen minute I'm gonna ask these five questions. Um, Joe's approach was always just like you never even knew if he had questions in mind, maybe an initial thing to 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 like chat about, but it just kind of went wherever it went, and that that is kind of like the key is to it's hard because you are doing a show and you are doing an interview, so it can be kind of hard to turn off that mindset, but that's, that is kind of like a key in a way that I think over the years, I mean, you listen to my early episodes, they're definitely interviews, not conversations. You know, I'm just like saying a thing, waiting for a response, saying the next thing that I was going to say. Um, so it's a, it's a bit of an art, I, I guess you might say when you can get to the point of comfort where yeah. you can just have a conversation out of the blue, especially when it's with someone you've never actually met before. I think in a lot of ways, like by the time I have someone as a guest on my show, I've consumed a lot of their content. Like I've listened to a lot of their interviews, watched a lot of the shows they've been on, read a book or something like to the point that I almost oddly feel like I know them or like, I kind of feel like I know where things are going to go. That doesn't mean they'd go exactly as I think, but I think going in, like getting that familiarity with the guest on my, on my own kind of helps me be like, all right, well I can just pick off even with someone I never talked to. To me, it's like I'm picking up where I left off. Cause I just listened to like eight hours of, of them talking. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a fine art, but when you can kind of bridge that gap and, and approach things more as a, a conversation than an interview per se, even if they're, even if it's kind of, you know, splitting hairs on the terms, I think that's a, a key to, uh, to success. 
does also oh, look the, <clears throat> you've done this for years so you understand the the greatness of the zoom or Streamyard, the ability to just have a conversation rather than in person but the in person it's got to be a better conversation platform then right yeah for sure i mean i, I did um you know, at one point I got around to some libertarian conventions and did a few in-person podcasts. And whenever I get the chance to do that, it's awesome. Um, if I can find some ways to do that with, um, with my current yeah. show, I definitely will. Cause there, yeah, there is an added dynamic. I mean, just, um, this is something I talked about with a recent guest. I mean, there is something to, you can be on a zoom call or a stream yard with people and I can see your face and we can hear each other. I mean, all the all the lines of communication are in theory as technically sound as sitting next to the person, but you're still not sitting next to the person. And there's something about energies and mannerisms and something that just can't fully be cat. We do our best, you know, video, I think is a decent, yeah. a decent enough replication, but it's, it's still a replication. It's not the same thing as, as uh, when you're sitting next to someone in real life. So with that, and this is why I, I do have some things I want to get to, but I'm just going to, we're just going to flow here. So with that roll. in mind, well, I'm sorry, what? I know how you roll. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mark. Uh, with that in mind, like AI or, you know, the, the whole idea of, of like online community and communication is that, I mean, it, it helps and it's, it's efficient, of course, but I mean, it's got to be a problem, right? You can't hug someone, right? <laughs> Not that I would hug you. I would. I'd give you a hug, Mark. A bro hug, at least, you know? Well, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, everything that's happening with technology at such a rapid pace right now, like I'm sure you've seen like the picture going around of like the, the AI hot chicks or whatever. Yeah. And even just like pictures of parties. Like, it, I mean, wait, those it, are fake. Supposedly. Oh, I don't know. That's well, I mean, the fact that we don't even know, it kind of says it all. And yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I grew up working in the TV industry, like doing things that I, in my mind were like, could never be replicated by AI, like cutting highlights, like doing things really fast. Yeah. And now you can like ask chat GPT to, you know, like write you a term paper and it's probably pretty accurate. So maybe we're not that far away from even, even seemingly complicated creative type jobs being replaced by AI. And what happens from there? I don't know. Can they replace me? Can, I don't know. I mean, can, can an AI Mark Claire just exist? And then I'm, I'm just shut out from it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I want it. Maybe I want to hire the AI Mark Claire so I don't actually have to do the interviews. Would they come out the same? You're, 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 uh, there's an, uh, they, they, was it chat GPT or whatever? I, I guess they're going to have an attorney do some things, which is what I do. So they're going to replace me at some point. Um, yeah, there's a, there wasn't there just like a robot attorney on a recent yeah, thing yeah. somewhere? Yeah. So, and then, um, have you seen the, uh, okay, I'm, I'm blowing it here. And this is not a good thing to do. It's a, it's a show on Netflix. Um, Okay, uh, I don't even remember the guy's name. Where he goes into his buddies, like, hey, look, your life sucks, but I've got a way. I'm suddenly turned my life around. You go to this place, they'll help you out. And what the idea there is that they actually clone you, okay, and then kill the the original. Um, this is a Black and, Mirror episode. No, it's not. It's in Okay. It's like living with yourself, living with myself, I think is what it's called. Um, and it's, it's fantastic because the guy actually, they forget, they, they don't do it right and they don't kill the original. So now he and his replicate. Oh there. yeah. You got to kill the original. Rule, and, number one. And, <laughs> rule number one. The funny part is when he wakes up and he's supposed to be buried, there's like all these uh, Tom Brady's in the ground. So uh, <laughs> anyway, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Mark, uh, your new show. First of all, how is the new show going, and why do you uh, regret uh, regret splitting with the Libertarian Party? <laughs> well, man, that's a, that's a deep question. 
Uh, there's really two very different right. questions. Right. Uh, I don't know if I split with the yeah, I split with the party. Sure. I mean, I I was always a a part of the Libertarian Party in the sense of like. This is a place that like-minded people like. When I say a place, like going to physically. And by the way, I don't want to get into all the libertarian stuff. We don't. Have yeah, to yeah, yeah. That, but yeah, yeah, no, I won't get too deep. But I mean, yeah, like, uh, um, well, it was the in-person thing too. When it came came down to the end of the end of it, you know, like like going to libertarian events was a fun place to meet people, a fun yeah. place to do interviews. Um, like I don't think I was ever like. Yeah, gung ho. Libertarian Party is the best, but I did be, but I did become more friends with people in the Libertarian Party and become more closer to people in the party. So that you know was, and I think I probably paid California membership like once or twice or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it, I think what I noticed was happening with me is that as my views started to shift a little bit, my priorities started to shift a little bit. Yeah. It's not that I just started to like get away from it a bit. I actually did something negative, I think, and I got a little too wrapped up in the drama and the fighting, and I had my own fair share of like incendiary tweets or whatever. And I still get into it once in a while when I'm feeling extra ornery. But, but um, it being in continuing to be in that space while I was having some different, some sort of mindset shifts, I think was like an unhealthy thing for me. And I wasn't interacting with people in the way I really want to. Like I, what I enjoy is having good conversations and joking around with people. And like, you know, when things got to be dramatic and there's like, you know, Facebook group arguments and then I'm doing angry podcasts, it's like, it was just like, this isn't what I should be doing. Cause it's not, it's not making me the best version of myself. It's not yeah. making the best content and I'm phoning it in. I was doing, I, I realized I was doing a libertarian show because I was supposed to do a libertarian show. I thought. Be why? Because I started it with these other guys who are, are some of my best friends, and that's what we do. So that's what we're doing. And at some point, it w I wasn't really doing it for me. I was just doing it because I was because I thought I was supposed to keep doing it. Uh, once I kind of like embraced that, I realized, oh, then I can just not do it. Like it was like this weird thing where, for some reason, it was almost like being in a relationship with someone for a long time where you share a lot of bills and maybe you have a dog or something. So you're like, oh, I'm kind of done with this, but it's not that bad. So I, I could just keep doing it and we are sharing the bills. So that's kind of easier. That's, that's kind of where it came to, uh, with Brian and John, who I, I love to death. Um, and you know, um, I don't know if I'd say take a bullet for him. I might be going too far. I take like a, I take like a hard hit, maybe like okay. a left hook, a bullet. Ooh, I don't know. I'm reserving the bullet for certain people, but uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, I, I just realized like my options were, well, my options were continuing to keep doing the libertarian podcast and like getting in this weird negative space about it where half the time I'm criticizing stuff and half the time I'm not. And I don't know, at, or stop podcasting. I guess that was an option. I could have stopped podcasting. Um, but that didn't really feel right either. So the other option was just do a different direction. Um, do something that doesn't, I didn't want to become the anti-libertarian show. I just wanted to do something else and cover some different topics. And it's kind of already sort of taken itself in its own direction and uh, I'll continue to see where it goes, but uh, I'm much more satisfied. I don't find myself being angry or getting into as many Twitter fights occasionally, you know, you gotta, gotta keep it, gotta keep it funky. What? So you mentioned you went to, you know, a bunch of libertarian events and I think you're, you're probably end up forming a lot of your <clears throat> friendships, even if it's online and through that community have, has that dissipated? Uh, are you finding a new community? I know you, you moved from California to Mexico and then Florida, I believe. So mm -hmm. are, are some of those aspects changing in your life as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess like, I don't think I've broken up with anyone friendship wise that I was friends with. Yeah. There's probably people I talk to less because I'm not doing as much of the same things as they're doing. Yeah. I'm not going to the same events as they're going to, or, or what have you. Um, and yeah, I guess there's, there is sort of like, um, it's funny. I've almost found myself unintentionally completely. I'm not an Orthodox Christian. Um, but a lot of my guests have been 
I want to say coincidentally, you might say there's no coincidences on that stuff. So I've, I've sort of interestingly found myself in this internet orthodox sort of Christianity area of the internet where I have a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm so glad you're out here, like asking these questions, representing the orthodox community. I'm like, I'm not really representing you at all. <laughs> like I'm just representing me and asking questions. And it just so happens a lot of the people that have the answers or are talking about the things that I want to talk about. I mean, half the time, I don't even realize a guest of mine is Orthodox Christian until I ask them their background. They're like, oh, so I was, I went to Orthodox. I'm like, wait, like it's not even intentional. So I guess there is a little bit of like a new people I've been encountering, new faces, new names I see pop up on the timeline, so to speak. Um, but I still have a lot of the old names and faces in there. I just, I just don't get into the angry spats as much. Well, and, and I think that has to do with, you're not um, anti Christian or anti-religious, which mm -mm. sometimes could really make a difference. And sometimes if you're not anti, they think you're pro. So uh, maybe, mm, but right. let's talk about it. So you've gone through, well, I interviewed, I, I talked to uh, John Odermatt, your, your former business partner a few mm -hmm. weeks ago. Uh, he did reveal, I think people should watch that. I think he did reveal he used to be a hardcore lefty in college. So that <laughs> may or may not be true. Uh, go check that interview out. But I think um, I had a brief phase where maybe I took acid with a certain environmentalist friend of ours and who might have brainwashed me for about a month. So I think that might actually, be what he's referring uh, to. No, I think he said when you first met you, he wasn't sh sure he thought you were a lefty or something. Oh, so. yeah, because, well, not when I first met, but I think, well, maybe when, uh, when, maybe when we first met too, but I think what he often refers to is like when we were, when he was out here in California and I started like, I was going on all these rants about like the war and anti-war and I was against drugs, you know, drug, uh, drug prohibition and all that. So he just like assumed I was a lefty. And then I was like, so he's like, so who are you going to vote for? I'm like, oh, this Ron Paul guy, this old Republican. He's like, what? Blew his mind. Yeah. He's like, what? <laughs> so that's probably, yeah, that's probably where that came from. But he might've thought I was a lefty way back in college too. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. So uh, whatever you, I know you've said that you've been, um, or you weren't religious, but possibly atheist and you've kind of morphed through this. Has that been through, um, finding a, a spouse and just, or what, what's kind of made that change for you and where are you on that spectrum? Mm. Yeah. Good question. It is, it is, it's part of it. It's not unrelated. I, I, I think it's, it's something I think that I started to explore more seriously like a few years before I met my wife, actually, I started to kind of like, I, I was never an atheist per se. I kind of, depending on who I'm talking to, I might've described myself that way. But in reality, I was always kind of more like, which is somewhat of a cop out, maybe sometimes the sort of the agnostic thing yeah. where you're like, I'm not an atheist, but like you, then everything else you say after that is atheist in nature, <laughs> yeah. but you're just kind of trying to say like, well, I don't, and my, that was kind of always my thing. Like, I don't really know. But my other part of it was like, I just kind of thought it was, I did kind of think like a lot of religion was stupid because I thought, well, I don't know. No one can ever really know. Everyone's making up their stories sure. and that's fine. I don't, I'm not angry at them for doing that, but I know we, it's kind of like the arrogance of like, well, I know you can never really know. So have fun with your little stories. So I think yeah. I did have that kind of attitude about it um, for a while. And then I don't know, maybe I was really going through like um, my own sort of journey of things. I had a lot of changes in my life like four or five years ago. And um, I was just becoming more interested in just, what's going on in the world or not, not what's going on in the world, but just like in having a real world view. And maybe, maybe looking back, this is part of a realization that libertarianism in many ways, it was my worldview. It was like my guiding light, yeah. but I think it, it left a gap too, where it's like I, you could take libertarianism and paste it on top of worldview and like look at politics that way, but it's not really the worldview itself. And I realized I didn't really have one. So I think I started to just take that more seriously, that exploration more seriously. I got more interested in 
other religions in Buddhism and Hinduism. I started to read like the Bhagavad Gita. I read all this other stuff, but I didn't never really did that with Christianity because I'm like, I was raised Jewish too in my mind. Like, yeah, they told me the old Testament. I, Adam and Eve, I know Christianity. Like, I, you know, I, I know that stuff. Um, but turns out I didn't know it at all. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I just kind of categorized it as this other thing. Um, so interestingly, I think, yeah, certainly like meeting my wife was part of it because it just gave me different priorities. Uh, it, it went yeah. me from, it took me from just someone who my only priority was myself. What brings me the most pleasure? What brings me the most money? How can I have the most fun tonight or what have you? I mean, that, that was pretty much all I thought about in any given day to day basis. Uh, and then whatever I can do during the day, whether it's making money or this and that to achieve those pleasurable ends. Um, and then, suddenly I had more purpose. Like I actually had people I was responsible for. Um, and there was a lot that went on in there that definitely made me, made me not, not believe in God. I guess you could say like, it's not that I had a specific belief come up, but some certain, certain things happened to me that I almost had to believe in, in something more. And it's hard, it's kind of hard to describe, but I, I definitely, I definitely shifted my beliefs where maybe you, you could even say now I'm agnostic maybe, but I'm definitely like different agnostic. I'm, I'm, I think there's something to this and I want to figure it out agnostic as opposed to, okay, enjoy your silly stories agnostic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does, and, and by the way, meeting a wife, and, and I understand she had a child already. Is that is that correct? Yes, From what? Yes. Okay. So sometimes, I don't know, you tell me if this is the way it is, you know, start to have kids and you start to have a wife, suddenly the mortality issue starts to fall into your head of like, oh, uh, maybe I'm not going to go jump my dirt bike, you know, 20 stories off, whatever, be evil Knievel. Yeah. Uh, and you start to think about the afterlife and, and ponder mm-hmm. those things. Uh, did oh, yeah. I hear and you're that, a, a Jew for Jesus now? Is that, was that what I heard? Uh, <laughs> that's what some couldn't, it's could interpret, could cha- charitably okay. or uncharitably interpret. I don't know. I don't know which one. Um, there was definitely something like that too. Like, I, I don't want to get into details, but there was, there were some things that happened, um, with her that like really made me worried. Um, but worried is like not the way to put it, but things involving mortality and things that were, I, I almost like had to, I, I, where was I going to go? I didn't have anywhere else to go. So I did reach out in my mind to God, I guess, or the universe or whatever you want to call it. And, um, it really, you know, and maybe that's just a, a human fallback when you have nowhere else to go, you have to go to the beyond or to somewhere else that maybe it's somewhere else you create in your mind. But I definitely found myself there in it. And then, but then when you kind of line that all up with, that kind of happened right as COVID was happening too. And then not only was I seeing things more in a positive way, having purpose, having someone else that's re- that I'm responsible for. Um, I also saw like, I started to see evil in the world. I started to actually see evil, like um, between what were obvious lies, obvious sort of uh, propaganda, obvious um, moves to get people to die instead of live, yeah. um, which it just, you couldn't ignore it. I couldn't ignore it anymore. I could no longer even possibly tell myself this is just conspiracy nonsense. Um, you know, people are just doing their best, uh, but economically they can't figure it out. I, I couldn't tell myself that anymore. It was very, very transparent that there was evil in the world. And I think when you finally do accept that there's evil in the world, there has to be good. So it really makes you explore those those issues you know, more seriously. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm gonna, cause this is gonna help us. Uh, first of all, uh, Spud says, yo. So Yo, it's bud. Um, and then uh, my buddy Andy here, he's got, he says, hello, stepfathers, which makes me want to kind of go into the next one. So your uh, wife has a child. You become a stepfather. Um, what has that done for you? I, I'm a, I have two kids of my own. We have a blended family. And then my wife had two kids. So I'm a stepfather, although I've adopted both of them. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a, 
and by the way, I don't want to call anybody out, but we've had the joke in here because one of our buddies online is talking about if you're a stepfather, you're actually technically a cuck. Oh, so, I know it. I know exactly <laughs> who you're referring to, <laughs> Kyle. Um, so, which I, I I laugh at that personally because um, you know have your kids, do your thing. Um, every situation is different. Mark Claire, what is it like being a cluck? A cuck? <laughs> of course, that's the that's the obvious phrasing. Um, <laughs> it's great cuck life, cuck life for life. No, I mean it's. <laughs> right. I, I mean, maybe by that definition, there there may be truth to it. Like if, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of different circumstances and a lot of different ways that these things can play out in our particular circumstance. And I'm not going to get into the details because they're all they're really her details that are, are personal to her. But um, her son didn't have a father. There was no other father ever in the picture. So Back I was like not conception. Is it? I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe only for like that one night. But basically, yeah. he's never had a father, never met a father, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I to me, maybe it's different. Like maybe I would feel different about it if like if I met her and she had this relationship with this other guy that she had to see and then he's back and forth. Um, and I'm sure that is the circumstance for a lot of people. And that's probably just different. I'm sure it's just different. But in my circumstance, it was like, well, I'm going to be with her and he's part of the package. So, you know, bring it on. And but I think part of the challenge, too, and, and part of what's made me want to up my game in all areas of life is like knowing that this kid has never had a father, never had really any positive male influence in his life, it's made me want to be better myself. And, you know, cause there's <clears throat> all these things I see like, you know, Oh, maybe he should do this better, do that better because I can see it from the perspective of like, I lived as a teenager and what have you. But at the same time, like if I'm going to think that this kid should do some things differently or could do this or that, I sure as hell better be doing those things too. You know, I can't be like, he should, he, he should get to bed early. So he gets better sleep and then, and then get three hours of sleep, to, you know, and then just go on about my day. Cause, cause I'm I can, I can manage it. I can do this. So it's, it's made me try to like reanalyze the way I approach things because I don't want to be a hypocrite. And also if I know advice is good for the teenager, it's also good advice for me most likely. Yeah. And so I try to live more by, by like, you know, by the things I say and by the things I do. And I take it more seriously. Whereas when I'm by myself, there's no wife, there's no kid. Who cares if I'm hypocritical, who cares if I say one thing and then I go out and do something different, but no one's even going to know. Yeah, I, I, right. And everyone's different. I, to just say a little bit about my situation, uh, kids had a dad, then he, he druggy, he's totally out mm -hmm. of the picture, hasn't yeah. seen him for years. So um, I step in there and kids need fathers, right? We talk about this. And so you're doing something and um, wonderful children, I wouldn't have any other way. I understand when you're young and you're getting married, you make your choices. Exactly. I, I would not say it's problem problematic at all to be prejudicial and not want to yeah. have a certain person for. If family. I was in my 20s, like Kyle, I would probably have the same attitude towards like, I don't want to marry some woman that's already has a kid and, and, right. this, and this and that. Like I would probably also want to find someone my age who didn't have kids to start a family from fresh together. Yeah. So yeah. I understand his perspective. I think he was just feeling a little ornery and wanted to ruffle some I, feathers. So I, I, how do you feel about interracial? Uh, we won't go there. Um, uh, then uh, Andy does make another Tempting. point here. He says uh, Mark Claire had a great interview with Kinsella. I, I know you've interviewed him multiple times. When I reviewed the Lions of Liberty, I think he was one of the early. He was uh, in episode number one. That's right. And then I interviewed again like a year and a half ago. Um, so I don't, by I don't the know what he's talking I, about. You, I heard you say that the other day that he was episode. Number one, I went to look for it. I could not, it was very difficult to find. And I think really? I did find it. I think I did find it because anyway, well, that's a, that's a different, it's like episode 13 is when you started pumping them out on the, the normal spots on your they website. They should be there in theory, but maybe don't argue with the, I'm going to okay. blame the, uh, I'm going to blame the current guys. They probably took it down. I, I did find it, I think. And I need to, I think it saved it somewhere. So, um, is Mark still a camera operator? What's the worst time he got chewed out by a director? 
Uh, not a camera operator. I'm, I'm an editor. So basically the camera, but in the live environment. So basically there's camera operators, their cameras come to me and I'm taking those cameras and doing fast things. And then, but yeah, um, shoot out. See, no, I mean, I've definitely dealt with directors that are, that are, that yell and scream. That's are you still just, doing like, this work by the way? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, hopefully as things progress a little less, but I like doing that work too. I would never want to, I don't think I'd ever want to just never do it at all. Cause I actually do get, it pays well and I do enjoy doing it. And so I don't think I'd, I mean like, man, I'd have to do like a billion podcasts to make like what I make in a day doing that stuff sometimes. So, um, but yeah, it'd be nice if I could podcast more and just be more selective perhaps about doing that stuff. But, um, uh, I don't think I've ever really been, I mean, I, yeah, directors scream and yell, uh, during live TV. It's, it's what they do. It just kind of goes to the territory, but personally chewed out. I don't, I really don't think I have been to be honest, but I've heard so, a lot and seen a lot of chewing out. For sure. So you were able to go from LA or, or California and now you're doing the same job in, uh, in Florida. Is it a remote thing or is it on site? What, what's your, without I getting do, into too much, I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I do a lot of on site stuff. Obviously there's like more work in LA cause there's not only is there all the sports teams in LA, but then there's all this, all this entertainment stuff too, which yeah. you don't really have out here, but I did have some connections, uh, having been in the industry for 20 years and I yeah. did have a few contacts a in the Florida area. Once we kind of settled on Florida as a, in a generic way, I started poking around at some people I knew here and uh, I had some kind of connections that were able to sort of quick me, quickly get me in, in the Tampa area. But pretty much I work in sports uh, mostly now um, where I was like 90% sports, 10% entertainment before. Now it's like a hundred percent sports. Cause there's really nothing else out here um, that I've done Is so it, far, but I also, it's all, it's all really local or sometimes I travel and like, I was just in Lake Placid working on an event um, huh. last week. So. Highlight, that's a big thing out in, in Florida, right? I haven't I haven't played it myself, but uh, I'd love to. I'd love to. I just did I curling don't... last week. Oh, well, that's the uh, a TV event I was working on was curling. Uh, nice. Um, so your your new podcast, you made this new direction, and you've gone down this this route. Now, and by the way, I've enjoyed it. Have you been enjoying it as much? Yes. No. More I've, so. I've, I hopefully I like the thing. I'm the biggest fan of the show, um, um, which is something I wasn't towards the end of Lions Liberty of my own show because I wasn't, my heart wasn't in it as much. We all and felt that way about it. Good. Thank you. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad we're all on the same, the same page there. Um, yeah, no, I, I, now I'm having conversations that I just really want to have. And it's nice that there's no limits. You know, there, I thought about a couple different names that would have implied a certain direction that the show was always going to be, but I didn't want to wind up in the same box where I'm with Lions of Liberty, where I was like, well, I'm, I'm supposed to do this libertarian show. So I got to keep doing libertarian shows. Um, so that's why I went, just called it the Mark Claire show, because now I can make it whatever I want it to be. And if I change my opinion on something, maybe I'll be a Satanist in a year and I don't need to change the name of the show. It could still be the Mark Claire show. He just happens to be a Satanist now. Uh, but so I, what, yeah, I've been, I, I've been enjoying it a lot. Like the, the conversations are, are conversations with people I've really been enjoying. Whoops. Watching that. See, I'm a professional. Uh, people I've really been enjoying their content of and, and to bring them in and have just conversations that I, I barely plan. I know what I want to talk about. And then I just, again, I just let it go. I don't really have too many. I sometimes have a few questions I want to ask in theory, but I kind of often forget about that once, once the conversation starts. Well, let, let's talk about that. So uh, preparing for a podcast, has this changed from when you first started doing it to now, as far as yeah. your in-depth, you said you listened to a lot of the things you had, you know, you've got, and, and by the way, you're, if people should obviously check out your new show and, uh, cause it's, 
it's more nuance. I don't know what to say about nuance, but these are different routes. You're not just having a, a casual conversation with, you know, Walter Block or something. I don't know that you'd have that, but uh, so I don't, think that's, a, I don't your, think that's a thing that exists. I don't think there is a just, casual I, conversation with Walter Block. I, I just saw Thaddeus Russell put up an interview with, with uh, Walter and I'm really interested in that. Um, so anyway, I don't even know if like, I'm talking about it anymore, but um, are you, are you doing a deep dive on these people? You said you listen to a lot of their stuff. Yeah. So preparing now it's more like, I think back in the early days, I used to meticulously prepare in the sense that I would write down a bunch of questions. I would have a whole bunch of notes. I would maybe read an entire book or two and like be super prepared, almost too prepared to the point that it was hard to have a conversation because I'd be like, well, I have these 40 things that I am ready to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And he just went in this other direction and I'm not ready for that. Um, so now preparing to me, I will, uh, the one thing I will type up still, I usually write that first sentence, the introduction just to like have that thing that I know I'm going to say so I don't stumble out of the gate. So I usually write that up and kind of glance at that as I'm doing the interview. And then I still out of habit, I still do write down like a couple top like phrases or topics like just because I'm worried, like what if I just freeze? What if yeah. I, my mind blanks out? At least I have something to look at. I'm like, oh yeah, this subject. But I haven't really, I can't say I've even looked at it. I just have it there as like this fail safe. Um, I, what I really do is I just try to make myself generally knowledgeable about what this person talks about and what they know about. So nowadays it's usually like watching a few videos or listening to other podcasts they've been on, sometimes reading a book if they had a book, but I'm not like taking meticulous notes. I'm just reading the book like a normal person would read a book. Um, so instead of being like academically prepared in the sense of having it all portioned out, I just get myself in the mindset of, of this person. I just, I just sort of immerse myself in their content so that I can generally speak to it just like any other person who would consume their content, not like, not like an academic, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, completely. And now you're doing podcast coaching or, or something like that. If someone wants to start a podcast and they need some help with it, is that correct? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I have a few people that I work with, um, who are sort of monthly clients that I do various different things with it, with all of them. It started off as consulting. Um, it started off with a phone call and maybe that phone call turns into some more paid consult consultations and then where things go from there, they go from there. A couple of clients I cut, I just cut, cut promotional material for. So I find some snippets from their podcasts, some, some good sound bites, come up with a title. Um, others I have taken over more of that. Like, you know, one client I've taken over, uh, all of his social media and all this other stuff. So it really just depends. Um, but I, I always offer, you know, consultation sessions. Sometimes it's just to somebody who is just thinking about starting a podcast and they just don't even know where, where to start or like what to wrap their head around. Um, so I, I think I've become pretty good at like taking people's ideas and, and trying to help them hone it down and trying to niche down on, on what they actually need to do. Cause there's one thing to have the idea, but then it's like, so what do I do? And then, and what I do is so it's so much more complicated than just, here's the mic to buy. Here's a streaming service to use. Like you know, you could swap out any mic or any streaming service at the end of the day. They all generally do the same thing. That's yeah. not what's really important. Uh, it's really just your approach and 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 knowing your purpose and knowing why you're having these conversations. That's important. And if you if you're in that right mindset and you know what you should be doing and you know why you're doing it, it's gonna naturally just become what it should become, as opposed to like academically knowing what that is. If that makes sense, I'm using that term a lot yeah. academically, but it's it, to uh, me, it's well, like more of a feel thing and and yeah. trying to help people 
because that's hard. It's hard. It was hard for me to try to help people sort of let go of like the academic process of it. Like, yes, there are certain things you need to do. You need to publish at a certain time every week. You need to do this and that. But beyond that, it's really like you got to feel it. You know, you got to you got to fucking become your show to the point that, you know, someone hears your name and they think of your show and they think of the conversations you've had and they think of the, their favorite moments or what have you. Um, and that is really how you form a community. That's how you form a bond with people. The truer you can become to yourself and the truer that then that truer that product is going to be and the truer those conversations are going to be and the more you're going to connect with people. I, I think one thing I really, I don't say learn because this has happened to me before, but relearned, I guess, or like I've had a couple of guests that were pretty big relatively big on the show. Um, Sam Tripoli, he's a pretty big yeah. uh, podcaster and comedian. I also had on Tucker Max, uh, author of I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. He's, he was absolutely huge. He still is huge. I mean, his Twitter account's a lot bigger than mine, hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, and then I've had other people that were lesser known, um, someone like Father Turbo Qualls. Um, his episode much bigger reaction than either of those well-known people. Um, I'm, I'm talking more downloads. I'm talking more comments. I'm talking yeah. more feedback and it's almost, you almost take it for granted. Like, Oh, I'm getting the big guest. This one is going to be the one that blows up. Yeah. And th those guests did well too. I'm not unhappy about it, but I, it's more of the extra surprise of people that, that don't have that big a platform. So it's really like, Oh, not that I don't want to have big guests on, but it's like, it really is the message that's important. And if someone has a message that resonates with people, like that really is what stands out more than anything else. So that's, was it, that's yeah, go ahead. Was it the message or was it your ability to, to bring something out? I mean, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Let's yeah. go with both. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's give myself some credit too. Sure. I like but, that. But let's when, go you're, with when you're working with these people uh, and they're going to start a podcast, uh, now do you listen to like, because they might need some structured rather than just go with the flow if they're brand new with this, right? Like you just structured flow. Yeah. Structured flow. Okay. So is that, is that uh, kind I of the idea that up, or do you yeah. tell them to write out the, the questions and, and to, to make sure, cause when you're first doing this, by the way, it can be a little daunting where you're, you're listening you've got something in mind yeah. and the person keeps talking, talking, and then they're done and you're really fixated on that question you wanted to ask. And totally. now you don't remember and there's dull air and then you freak out. Practice. That's all. Okay. That's, the, that's the only way to do it. Cause dude, when I first started, I was like, I would do the same thing and I'd have like questions, questions certain down. I'm looking at the questions then I'm, then he's answering, but he's going in this other direction. But I'm like, Oh, but I want to ask this other question. And then it's like, and you can like lose, you got to kind of like at some point just like let that go. Yeah. And maybe it comes back naturally. Maybe it doesn't. And maybe that's okay. Have him back yeah. again. You know, it, it, you don't have to get to everything you had in your mind. Um, but it, it does come with practice. Like the, the more I practice and the more I do interviews now that I've done six or 700 interviews or something like that over, over my podcasting career, let alone all the shows I've been on or what have you. I'm just, I'm just so used to, to having the conversation on the fly and I'm used to kind of making little bookmarks in my head that I, I usually am able to just like go back and, and ask something that I had bookmarked 20 minutes earlier, but it's, you know, I'm sure there's also shows where I do where you know, I'm like, gosh, oh, I never, I never dove into this thing, but Oh, all right. Then not, I can invite him back. But you're, you're a pro I'm talking about when you're coaching these people and you're mm -hmm, starting mm -hmm. them out to begin with. I mean, I'm similar where, you know, I prepare for court and I'm writing a notes and then I get there and I don't use them because right. I, I yeah. prepare, you know what I mean? You're just kind of yeah. like doing that whole thing. And I do the same thing. I have a thing written out for, for my open, uh, I haven't read it since like episode 20 and it's still yeah. on my template that I have. So, so, so the new people, you know, what are some other things that you can help the new, uh, 
podcast person scheduling as an example you and i you know going back and forth dates get what what's the best way for people to do some of these little nuanced things that can help them with their shows well yeah just to go back to the preparation too like i wouldn't say because i'm going with the flow here like no one to prepare like sometimes you need that in the beginning but you need to at least have the training wheels sometimes too even if yeah. even if you can get off the notes like like i said even now i still have sort of like a backup with a couple like things written down that i really don't even look at but at least like maybe it's comforting to know it's there. So maybe it's good to have, uh, especially in the beginning. Like I don't tell people just don't ever have notes. They're like, no, prepare, feel prepared, try, try to get as prepared as possible. Cause the more prepared you are, uh, whether it's reading a book or even going over the questions a few times. Um, I used to always like practice the intro for like three or four times before I, now I don't really do that, but I used to like, just, just do it a few times so that, so at least the first time I was saying it, it's more natural because my brain's already like said this a few times. Yeah. So it doesn't come across like, because sometimes the first time you say something, no matter how, what a simple, even if it's just like a simple introduction, you realize you don't know how to say this like name, right? You stumble the name. Oh, and right. then suddenly you're like, and then, and then it fucks up your whole mindset. You're like, oh fuck, I stumbled out of the gate. What's this person going to think of me? They think I'm an idiot. So at least that kind of like, because once you get the conversation going, it, it does, it is easier to become a more natural conversation. Uh, that's just kind of like, so to me, if you need the training wheels to get into it, like I definitely recommend that. And that's kind of what I try to work with people on too. I try to get them to feel as prepared as possible. And then, but also sort of prepare them to, to not use the training wheels, but have them there. Yeah. You know? It's all right. If you, if you feel wobbly, just put down the, you know, I'm trying to use this analogy, this training uh, wheel analogy. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I like it. <laughs> uh, so going live or doing it recorded and doing editing. I mean, that could, you know, the live part can, can maybe freak out, uh, two ways. One is you're, you're scared to you're bombing in front of people live or two, uh, no one is actually <laughs> watching it live. That yeah. could maybe be even more frustrating. Uh, what, what's maybe a better way for someone to just break into this and do it. And, and by the way, that's kind of also back up. What do you, I think you're doing everything recorded with your, with your, your guests. Do you notice a difference with the guests if it's recorded or live as an example? So what I tell my guests is that I record these as if they're live. Okay. So, you know, and like, yeah, I say like, look, yeah, if something crazy happens like, you know, there's an emergency, like I'll, I'll edit that out. But otherwise, you know. I don't want people thinking like, oh, I said that wrong. Let me re-say it because so, you can edit it out. I used to do that. And I don't, yeah. I don't, here's the truth. I'm trying to save myself time and and hassle. So I try not to heavily edit anymore. Like I used to heavily edit, at least, especially the video version. I'm not editing the video version. Like unless something yeah. crazy happens, like, no, it's not even going to look good. You know, it's, it's, it's just better to let it flow. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, to me, and maybe it helps too. Cause I do it like this. Like, I know you're actually are live, but when I'm live, I still do like do it, record it with Streamyard, but it still says live in the corner. So I'm yeah. like, you know, act like we're live, but no one's really getting this right now. I probably will start doing more actual live, live stuff at some point down the road. But, um, for the actual like interviews, I just like to, I just like to have them and, and package them because, uh, cause I'm going to share, first of all, the public's not getting the whole interview. Cause I'm, uh, I'm crafty like that. You, they get about two thirds of the uh -huh. interview is the public version. And then, uh, you know, if, if you want the full whammo jammo, you gotta go, you gotta pay me money. So that's how that works. Uh, so that's why I don't do the whole interview live anyway, cause it just wouldn't really work in that format. I guess I could do the show live, cut it off and then be like, if you want more, come check it out. Uh, you know, I'll experiment with formats in that, but you know, I, yeah, I think just having the mindset that it's live, whether or not it is or not, it helps everybody because you know, it, and it just comes across more natural when you just keep going. Yeah. In real life, you stumble your words sometimes. And so whatever. So stumble yeah. your words and keep going. It's fine.
as far as editing goes, so when you first started, were doing this, I'm sure it was just, well, it was all audio. So you probably had a Zoom recorder or, or what have you with your Skype, mic. Skype, actually, at the time. S Skype, you're doing Skype. Okay, so you're mm -hmm. a little bit more technical. 2013, as as, yeah. Right. Um, and then that moved, you know, when the pandemic hit, I know that's when, you know, StreamYard and Zoom really kind of hit the big time mm -hmm. for uh, to do it easier. But when you were doing it over Skype, was there mix minus problems? Did you have to get, and I'm getting a little technical on some of these things, but I think you know what I'm talking about. And yeah, did you yeah. over edit at the time doing those kind of things as well? Yeah, a lot of, there were a lot of problems like that with Skype because <laughs> Skype wasn't necessarily... It gave you the ability to record calls, but it wasn't yeah. necessarily made for that. You actually had to buy like a separate extension, I think, to do that. Yeah. So it was made to just have phone calls. It wasn't made to make a podcast. Even Zoom was kind of just made more for meetings. And then they sort of added these features once everybody started using it for podcasts and tried to, they sort of increased their, that, that's why I like StreamYard or whatever, because StreamYard is actually made for this. It's made to stream a video show. So I think we get better audio quality. It's not all compressed like the, like the audio from Zoom is. Um, but I, I definitely heavily, heavily over edited, uh, in my early days for sure, because also, cause I was so unconfident in myself that if I heard myself stumble or something like <laughs> I had to edit it out and I think I made it too edited, you know, to the point that like, it's, you shouldn't, you shouldn't think about that. It's edited. You know, I feel like you could think you could listen to my early episodes and like hear edits, you know, which to me that takes you out of the conversation as well. Um, so, so I still edit somewhat, you know, if there's like the audio version anyway, I don't really edit the video version unless, you know, once in a while, I guess has to get up or, and go somewhere. So I'll just do a quick little edit and tighten that up. But for the most part, I'm just letting these be live conversations and trying not to over edit audio version. I'll edit maybe a little bit because you know, a few seconds of silence on a video version is not that big a deal. You see someone's reaction or what have you, but you know, when it's just audio, like five seconds of silence is an eternity. So if there's, if there's some long pause like that, I, I will kind of tighten that stuff up. But I generally try to keep the feel of a, of a regular conversation warts and all going the whole time. Do you suggest, okay, so I, I have a, um, audio interface that I have here that goes into it. So that when my, uh, comes out, I don't really have to do much to it as far as the, the audio editing, right? Mm -hmm. I don't, I used to do a ton. I'd bring it into uh, Audacity as an example. I'd do a ton of this, and it's just I spent more time doing that than I actually did on the show. And I'm like, I could be yeah. working and making money for this. So, exactly. do you recommend people just start out getting a, a phone mic? What's the suggestion for the starter uh, with no money? And if someone does have money, do you suggest that they do some of these things? Well, with no money, you shouldn't be wasting your time podcasting. You should probably go <laughs> there make go. some that's money. The trick question: See if he's yeah. still legit. Okay, that's the, that's the post libertarian, like post -po podcast, post podcastarian answer. Go make more money. Um, yeah, but um, but yeah, if you're starting on a budget, and shit, I'm starting on a budget. You know, like who, who am I? Um, I? I would say just like a basic USB mic. Like there's there's ones that are there's even headsets that now that sound yeah. decent. I think when I started, most headsets sounded yeah. like shit. But I've seen people with headsets that actually sound pretty good now too. So just anything that. Any USB mic you could probably get away with, but there's decent ones like ATRs uh, and um, and such that are like start at like sixty or eighty bucks, and and you can yeah. usually get them. They come with the stand and everything, so like there's really no reason not to have decent audio. There really isn't because you can get decent audio for eighty dollars now. So and you don't you can skip an interface, you can skip a, a mixer. That stuff's nice. That stuff does bring higher quality. But it's like the difference is between like 96% good to 98% good. And it's it's stuff audiophiles might notice. Like, yes, my show doesn't sound as good as Joe Rogan because I'm in an office and he's in a professional studio. Okay. 
but no one is listening. Maybe not no one. People don't listen to my show and go, my God, this sounds like shit. I got to go listen to Rogan if I want to hear good audio. You know, it's just, you can tell the difference, but it's not like it's, but what you don't want to be doing is just like recording on your phone with no microphone. Cause it's just, cause now, especially now, maybe you can get away with that 10 years ago. Now there's so much competition for ear time. There's so many fucking podcasts yeah. out there. No one's wasting their time. If it's painful to listen to just have basic regular quality, which you can seriously get for $80. Uh, so I think folks, there's no excuse to have less. Than yeah. That. It says still podcasting from a barn based, which is, uh, yes. Yeah, so um, I think that's awesome. Uh, right. T- I tell love us that. about you're, you're, <laughs> you're in, uh, you've got some, uh, it's not, it's, it's a area in my, uh, anyway, whatever. I don't have to explain it. it kind of kind of like, like a barn door though. It is a barn door. I had to install oh. this. My, this is about one of those things about what I uh, profess, which is be a man, take care of your house, learn to do some projects. And there you go. Um, you've got some sound. Wait, so stuff. I just want to back up on this. So you took a regular room and added a barn type door. Yeah. It's like, a, okay, it's yeah, like, like a it. big giant closet that we took the door off and made into this other part of this room. And, um, yeah, that's what it I is. like it. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you buy a house, you start to do stuff for yourself and, and that's, that's we're not going to necessarily talk about that, but, um, you've got, you have an office space, uh, you, you work there. I see behind you, it says area 51 and some other things. There's a lot of Mark, weird stuff going on. Is there, is there a conspiracy theory you don't believe in? <laughs> uh, there's probably no conspiracy theory that I wouldn't entertain at this point, right. to be honest. Um, believe is a strong word. It's funny though, too, because I feel like my background doesn't even really re- reflect, reflect where the show ended up going. Like, I feel like I need to update it soon because it, it's, it's not as weird as I thought it would be, but it is also weirder than I thought it would be because I'm not talking about that much weird conspiracy stuff as much as like, I don't know, to me, like the the subject matter of like, what happens to your soul when you die? That's more serious than just yeah. like, did this, did this certain event happen in this certain weird way or something like that? So I think I made the background of the set a little more like crazy conspiracy and the show isn't exactly that kind of thing. So we'll see. It also serves as a background for my comic podcast, so there's like a little bit of right. little bit of everything. So I don't want to change backgrounds. Uh, but you had uh, you had a guy on there where you guys talked about like different dimensions and like uh, I'm trying to remember the whole situation. I, might I think it might have been Tripoli that brought that up. Yeah, no, it was a different no? guy that had. Oh, um, okay. I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, he had talked about. I, I wow, I don't remember all the details, but it was like some sort of a transfer. There's other dimensions, or other people coming in, and uh, oh, um, that might have been Tony Merkel. That might have been like my yeah, first I think guess. that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. and and it sounded like you were you were believing all that. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, I think part of that too is, and is you might simil- want to explain it actually. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, with Tony, we were talking. Tony Merkel does a podcast called The Confessionals, where basically, yeah, um, that was my first episode. Basically, people he call in and give their own stories about encounters with. The unknown, uh, whether sometimes there's a lot of Bigfoot, uh, other cryptids, demonic stuff, um, you know, stories like that. And I think my approach is similar to his, actually. He's like, I'm, it's not that I necessarily believe every story that comes on my show per se, but he, his theory is also like, who am I to believe it or not, is my thing. Who am I to even because we're already in this subject of the weird. I'm already accepting that Bigfoot, uh, UFOs, demonic entities, dogman, these are all in the realm of possibility. So if all these things are in the realm of possibility, who is he? I'm just kind of speaking for him in this, in this particular case, but to, to decide the veracity or not, you know, he's like, yeah, if, if the person doesn't seem sincere, that might be one thing, but if the person seems sincere, we kind of just have to take what they say at face value. doesn't mean it's weird or not. Uh, it doesn't mean it's true or not, but I have to, I'm not going to challenge them on whether they're full of shit, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 and I take that same approach. I've always taken that approach on Lions Liberty, too. I mean, when I had guests on that have different takes on this or that, like, they would give a take, and I usually didn't, like, push back, even if I didn't necessarily agree with that same take. Uh, and this, of course, changed towards the end of the show as I got a little more <laughs> feisty, right. what have you. But right. generally, it was like, I just see it, I just saw it as, like, this is my house. This is my home. I'm inviting you into my home. I don't invite people in my home to argue with them. I invite right. people in my home to to make them feel welcome. So that's the approach I've I've really always taken with podcasting. So um, it applies there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's probably I probably will always take that approach just in the in the heat of a conversation, unless someone says something that comes across like insincere. Like, do I think they're full of shit? That might be something else. But if I don't think they particularly are full of shit, it doesn't really matter to me. Where the, it matters what they're saying, but I, I'm not going to like fact check whether some creature really came from another dimension or not. How could I even do that anyway? You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. It goes back to our religion thing. Um, yeah. You've, you seem to have delved a little bit more into uh, kind of the conspiracy stuff. Is this um, on purpose? I mean, obviously it's on purpose, but wh where is this coming from in a sense? And, and mm. what is the most likely uh, obvious, I should say, uh, conspiracy? Mm. I know that's a really compound question, but. Well, I've always had a, an, an interest in the unknown and the weird and UFOs, like Bigfoot. I grew up super into that stuff. Okay. Somehow as a teenager, I stumbled upon Art Bell on the radio, uh, Coast yeah. to Coast AM. So he always, he kind of took a similar approach where he would yeah. bring guests on and just sort of let them tell their story. Even if it was crazy, he wouldn't like lambast them and be like, well, that sounds fucking nuts. He'd be like, oh, okay. So what, you know, and that's kind of a similar approach I took. But I, I always took interest in, in the unknown and, you know, even ancient mysteries, like, Back then, to me, it was like Stonehenge and the uh, and the pyramids. Now that seems like so one oh one stuff. I'm like, no, we're going go back go Tepe now. We're going to the the crazier stuff. Um, so I think that to me, it's always it, it's just it's been an interest I've always had. But but the conspiracy angle, I think that's when you're in politics. There's definitely an intersection there because you're you're looking at the the day to day of certain events, and at some point, you have to either just not talk about the conspiratorial angle of it and act like it's not there. Just look at the, the surface level, look at the economics of it. Um, and, and, but to, to do that, you almost just have to assume that everyone's just trying this whole, like they're all just trying their best, but you know, because of me and economic calculations, they just, these politicians just keep messing it up. And at some point that just becomes <laughs> absurd to actually believe. So once you get over that, you almost have to just embrace the fact that there's a conspiratorial element to a lot of things that go down in the world. It doesn't mean you need to believe certain, any specific conspiracy or anything, but you know, even the term conspiracy is its own conspiracy. You know, the, the CIA right. came up with this term so they could lump things in a certain category. And I'm certain that there's a lot of conspiracies that are weirder or more far out there that are intentionally pushed and intentionally lumped in with maybe more, more credible theories um, simply to discredit the whole thing and to, to push everyone into that conspiracy theory category. Uh, and I think when I started the show, I decided it's not that I wanted to make it a conspiracy show. It's that I just wasn't going to shy away from that. Whereas at Lions of Liberty, I would kind of shy away from that stuff. Cause I didn't want, I, didn't, I wanted to keep it about the philosophy. I don't want to incorporate all this other weird stuff. And then people are saying, Oh, libertarians believe this and that about nine 11. And now I'm like, I don't care what, if, if something comes up and I think it's worth digging into, we will dig into it. I mean, I did a whole episode about false flags with Charlie Robinson early on in the show, and I'll be doing more on that stuff too. Cause to me, you know, there's, there's propaganda out there. There's, there's all sorts of things that affect the way we view our reality, the, the effect, the way we navigate things. And I think if you're just taking them all on the surface level and not, not looking a little bit deeper, 
You know, if all of your beliefs and all your arguments are based on lies and false events, well, maybe that's something that should be examined. And I'm not saying everything's a lie, everything's a false event, but certainly some things are. So to me, that's a perfectly valid subject matter to, to dig into. So, but it's not, it hasn't gotten as crazy as conspiracy as, as I thought it would. It's actually taken much more of a, an angle towards, and I say taken because it, 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 in a weird way, it almost feels like I'm not in control of it. It just ah. may sound odd. In some ways, it just feels like the show is happening to me. And I'm and I'm letting it happen. Uh, from the intro, the way the intro came together, uh, it was like people that reached out to me and and just ended up kind of like John Page was like, "Hey, I want to make a song for your new show." And then he came and the song was perfect. And then it perfectly matched this image that was made. And then it came all together in this animation. And I it, it almost just feels like it's happening to me. Like I'm just this, I'm just I, I'm not the trumpet player. Like I'm the I'm the trumpet. You know, I'm being played, and these these musical notes called podcasts are coming out of it. Uh, obviously it's not giving myself maybe all the credit. Like I'm doing a lot of work. I'm putting this stuff together. I'm scheduling interviews and doing this and that, but in a way it just kind of feels like it's just happening and playing out. And I'm just sort of just trying to let it keep doing that. Which is, is good. Cause you, you change your format, you <clears throat> go into the diff different directions and now the tail is wagging the dog. I like it. <laughs> yes. um, I'm, on this conspiracy thing, I've gone down and I, and I never really cared much about this, uh, this just JFK, which is the most obvious, uh, thing. But, um, recently I've gone down, <laughs> spent a lot of time, uh, watching videos and, and podcasts and stuff about this thing. Um, which the, the thing that caught my attention initially was I watched a CBS, I think it was 1967 report on the Warren commission report itself, uh, Walter Cronkite, Dan rather, and they go through a four part series and, um, when I come away from that and now you dig into all this stuff, I realized that this is the media gaslighting everybody. Uh, it, you know, their last segment was why is no one uh, uh, believing the Warren report? You know, cause they went through this whole thing and it's just yeah. obvious that, I mean, their, their, their jumps and, and, and logic were, were uh, just amazing. Did the rifle get up to the, um, you know, the, the sixth floor of the depository building. And then they, they'd say, well, he had, the, Oh, it's there. It's just, it's crazy. So I saw that and I was like, the gaslighting of the media is intense and it, it goes on with COVID has done this. So they've taken these and this is the problem sometimes with the conspiracies where it's so obvious that they are covering up. Right. And then you it, it leads to you believe then everything could possibly be a conspiracy, you know, COVID and whatnot else. Um, is everyone dying because of the vax? Right. And, and, and instead of actually getting to the seminal basis of is this vaccine perhaps dangerous or whatnot and having an open, uh, honest dialogue. Now everything has been pushed into the, as a conspiracy. And I think it's the media's fault from way back then. Um, any, any comments about that? Yeah. I, I almost feel like now, like it's in, like the gaslighting is like intentional too. Like there's yeah. probably a certain amount of the population who's going to sort of agree with it because they're always going to just think, they can't wrap their heads around the fact that there would be duplicitousness at such a high level. I think there's a lot of people that are just, it would, it would break their frame of reality too much to think that institutions, generally speaking on, on, on people in power, people in these institutions that they've come to, they, there's always been raised to know that they should trust and listen to are downright duplicitous and actually want them to die actively and are totally fine and would do the worst things imaginable to achieve their ends. That's a really hard thing for people to wrap their head around because yeah. I think too, because then you have to embrace that there's true evil. And then if you're an atheist or something like that, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't really line up. You know, I think when you're an atheist, 
or more of an atheist bent, you kind of think everyone's just out there doing their best. Some people interpret things differently, some, but some people fumble and, you know, we're all just trying to navigate this thing the best we can. But, but when you actually start to see evil and you really just see that evil is real and you embrace that, like, 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 I still don't think like, I think there's a lot of like boomery type people that could just never accept something. I'm not even saying this is true or not, but could never even accept the idea that, 9-11 9-11 was anything but what was on TV, that there was anything that went on besides that. To me, that's like yesterday's news. Like, and what, but once you've embraced that, it's not that hard to, once you've, you've accepted this concept that yes, evil people exist and we'll do evil things. Um, it's kind of like anything's on the table. So now it's kind of like, yeah, in some ways, like I could believe almost, almost anything. It doesn't mean I do believe everything, but I'm, I think a lot of things are in the realm of possibility that I, I might not have before I saw before I saw good and evil more clearly before I even thought there was a thing. Then how did you not get sucked in with Q? Uh, was it just so obviously bad? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I definitely like thought some of the conspiracy like angles of Q were interesting. Like I do think oh, okay. there is there we a, go. well, no, I don't think, I think Q was a psyop to be clear, oh. but I think there was actual intelligence fueling that psyop because there would be certain things where they'd say this thing's going to happen tonight and sometimes those things would happen. Now maybe that just means it's someone close enough to Trump like they could access his speech so they could put out a little sprinkle like he's going to say this thing tonight. Um, but I think it's all was all a psyop ultimately to sort of corral any of that energy and and send him off into the cons- in cons- conspiracy land. I mean, I I know some people that are deep on Q and like you know, they will still be up till six in the morning and come out of the and come out with bloodshot eyes watching like seven hour Q documentaries about how right. the plan is still in effect. Don't worry. The tribunals are going on. There's going to be the secret arrests. Um, and I think that's all. I do think that is all about just channeling some energy away from what might otherwise be potentially a productive movement. Maybe if they, if it was actually gathered around the right things or what have you. Um, but I think there's a lot of corralling that goes on. There's a lot of sending people off in the rabbit holes. I'm sure I've been, I'm sure I've gone off on, on rabbit holes that were intended me for, for me to go off on before. So that's what makes weeding through all this stuff difficult. Right. Um, because yeah, I think there is, I think in the conspiracy world, there is probably 80% bullshit. So yeah, and that just come, but I think that's also intentional and that's its own conspiracy. Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, did I hear you said you knew Q or you <laughs> just kidding? Yeah, I grew up um, with Q. Okay. We're in the same fraternity. Um, uh, you and I had had a, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm taking my, uh, my hand, my, my ring, or I'm off the table with this concept of OJ Simpson with you, but, um, <laughs> you're not off the table necessarily, or unless you're picking yourself off the table. I, I could, uh, cause only because, um, by the way, I've read the Vincent Biglosi book on that. Um, uh, I've gone down some of these other rabbit holes, which you, you talked about. Um, do you, which one is a, I, and, and you know, I'm not spoiling anything here for your own thing, but, um, the questions are, there's multiple things. Have you heard the latest one uh, where OJ's friend bodyguard? Uh, so there's two of them. There's his son possibly killed this lady. Then there's yeah. that the, there's this um, serial killer that had done this. What's interesting about both of those is they, they rely on OJ actually being at the scene of the crime at the time. All of them do, right? Like pretty much everyone Even, agrees <laughs> OJ was at the scene of the crime. Even OJ. It's like, yeah, well, of oh, course no, I was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Did you live through that? I mean, um, yeah, you are here alive at the time, but you know, you're much younger. I remember when that happened. I remember, uh, you know, trying to watch. Am the I NBA. much younger? Am I really much younger? I'm 51. I guess I'm sort of much younger. I'm 42. Yeah. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Well, but yeah, I mean, I was a teenager. Like, I was definitely like knew who OJ was because I, I grew up Buffalo Bills fan. So like, yeah, yeah he was okay. he was before my time, but I was yeah. I was aware of his legendary status, and he was also. 
I think at that point I, I had seen it. Like I, I love the Naked Gun movies when yeah. I was that age. I thought they were the funniest. They're still fucking hilarious. They are. Um, and he was a big part of those. So like I knew him more as this comedic figure though than like yeah, like I knew he was a good football player on the Bills, but I, I didn't grow up watching those games. So to me, he was like this hilarious guy who I, I think he'd only been in maybe he'd been in other movies. Oh, was there, there was the other movie? There's a if we want to go tie the moon in here, there is a movie called Capricorn One, I think, that OJ is in that also oh. is like a moon landing conspiracy movie. Oh, okay. I think in that one they fake a mission to Mars or something like that, but okay. it's kind of like the same thing. So there we can tie all this stuff in here. Um, Norberg, but yeah, I, was there a question? I don't know. Norberg I just said, I, yeah, yeah, Nordberg, I think, was his name in, in, in the Naked Gun movies. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I lived through all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's so weird looking back. Like, I remember the day of the OJ verdict, like, they literally carted like a TV into our classroom so we could watch the verdict live. Wow. I was like, well, you were I was like LA, this seems weird. You were in Southern California? No, no, not then. That was, oh. no, I, I was on in the East Coast. I was in, oh, like, okay. I would have okay. been in Connecticut then. Gotcha. Um, how did, so where was, Interesting part. I'm watching this. My dad, big OJ fan, like like you know, you said you were. Um, so I mean, I had the orange uh, juice football at the time because he played with the Niners yeah, at yeah. the end. So we were big fans. Loved Naked Gun. He couldn't have done this. I'm watching this in awe of the uh, the defense. In a sense, my dad was, and then at the end, I mean, my dad was convinced he wasn't guilty. That was, that was, he was such a big fan. He's come away from that at this point. Um, did you have a feeling at the time that you were? pulling one way or another or did you spend much time watching this at the time i think i just assumed he was obviously guilty because that's kind of how the media but that's (laughs) because that's how the media portrayed it it kind of like a a close and shut case like this guy killed his wife and this is horrible and i think i think i was just waiting for it to play out like okay then he's gonna go to jail i guess it's kind of a big deal he's a really famous guy that's gonna go to jail for this thing uh only like deck maybe like a decade literally or more probably more than a decade later did i I never read the book. I just watched some documentary and it, it made a compelling enough case that I decided I believed it. I don't know if I really believe it or if it's really true. Um, I think it is hard to deny even in the conspiracy. Like you even said, both conspiracies rely on OJ being there. So like, yeah. it's hard to deny that he at least knew about it and, and lied about it. So, I mean, that pretty much makes him a murderer or an accessory to murder either way. So I don't think there's any theory where OJ's a good guy just trying to do the right thing and somehow wrapped, got wrapped up in all this stuff. Um, certainly plenty of circumstantial evidence that he was abusive and certainly could have been capable of killing her. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't even remember the details, to be honest. I just remember I, I did. I was pretty compelled by the case that it was his son because, to me, it did kind of make sense that it, it explained – it explained the blood. It explained all the stuff that did show OJ being there. It explained the glove not fitting. It, it really, it put everything into place and didn't absolve OJ as just being this like innocent character and did explain why, like, you know, when Mark Furman sort of did some things to sort of like make it seem more like OJ, like that was picked up on as, as not true because that aspect one of might not have been true. Um, it's almost like they were trying to frame a, a guilty man, but then maybe he wasn't fully guilty. I don't know. I don't have like necessarily like hundred percent thoughts on this, but um, what have you can come to a, a conclusion you be, believe the most? Do you think he just did it at this point? I, I think he did. Uh, and, and interesting why uh, the, the, um, the son one uh, relies on his son <laughs> being so upset that um, uh, what's what's uh, the, the wife Nicole um, Brown Nicole Nicole Brown says uh, him. Nicole yeah that she <laughs> she stiffed him on a family party that they were supposed to come at this French restaurant that he worked at and that's 
caused him to then go and kill her. It also makes uh, you have to rely on OJ being altruistic in a sense and caring so much about his son that he's willing to go to, to murder trial over this. And I just don't buy, buy that. Maybe Ron he's just Gold like, dude, I'm famous. I can get lawyers. Like, they're not going to get me on this. Yeah. And we'll we'll skip out of there. I just thought this was an interesting little thing, but um, I think the uh, four times more the if if you take it from a libertarian point of view, you go oh uh, OJ he can hire the attorneys and spend you know three million or whatever dollars on uh, three to six million I think is what it was, but I think Oof. the county of Los Angeles spent um, four times more than that. So that's crazy. Just Jeez. if you ever th say that you can rich and and buy your way, the state always has more money to go. Oh yeah, yeah. So. They they have no budget. None. And then they, uh, they're that way. Um, uh, there seemed like I had one more uh, thing. Anything you want to push here before we, we finish off on this, Mark? Oh, yeah. I mean, I want to push my podcast, of course, as always. Uh, I made it really simple. You can go to markclair.com. It's not even a real website. It's just a link tree, but it links to every single thing I do. Uh, links to every podcast platform, video platforms. I'm, I'm kind of like I cast a wide net. I'm kind of everywhere now. I'm on Rumble, BitChute, Good. Odyssey, YouTube, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, I also... T timing wise, this is pretty good. I just, uh, we just relaunched, um, second print comics with my friend Remzo Martinez. We had okay. a three or four month hiatus for, um, personal reasons on both sides of us. We just couldn't get it together for a few months. And, uh, after some, uh, some deep thought and after a patron came in with a very large annual subscription, we had no choice but to relaunch the podcast because someone paid us to do it for a year. So, so we're relaunching wow. that podcast this week, but we're kind of, uh, tweaking the format a bit. And, uh, so if you, uh, if you're into comics or into pop culture, because we're incorporating a lot more of our comments on like movies, TV, that sort of thing. And uh, we're going to be a little more unleashed, I, I should say. If you're into the political commentary, um, expect that to come out a little bit more. Would you have signed the Crowder uh, contract? I don't even know enough about that. I just know it's a whole big hoopla, and I, I don't care about either of these okay. these people, organizations. <laughs> okay. uh, Thank you. Andy says, if Mark was going to rebrand re <laughs> Libertarian Podcast Review, what would you call it? Now's your chance to take um, pop shots. I would call it... Uh, funky podcast reviews with Tyler. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that's all about. Well, um, I want, I want the personal branding in there. So I want to get your name in there. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I or no, janking it. Jank, <laughs> janky. Um, yeah. yeah. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Mark, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the show. I, once sure again, uh, we miss you in the liberty. I was just kidding about that. Uh, I, I, I found that all humorous. And by I the way, I just want to come to the parties. Can I just like, you know, it, it's the, it's the, it's the 3am joint outside the hotel room. That's what I miss. I think um, your attitude, and it probably is, it should be like it is with religion, which is maybe you're not embracing the LP, but you don't have to be anti-LP. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And I think for a while I got so anti that it was like it wasn't good for anybody. So I'm not anti. Do your thing. I don't care. It's just not my thing, and that's okay. Yeah. How do you feel about um, the, the my dental position with the LP? Uh, that that <laughs> teeth should be a priority and a, and a requirement, yes. healthy teeth. I think I think I, it's a good one. I, 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 so many of these people, you know, you say make money and do that. I'm like, yes, but part of that is to not Use look that money like you just to... chewed on some wood. So, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of a joke, but it's also not because if you're going to be a leader in your community or a leader in a political movement or whatever it may be, no one wants to follow the guy with a gap tooth and like, like <laughs> brown stuff here. Like, that's just like, as soon as you give your speech or your talk, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think dental hygiene is, is not just internally important. It's externally important as well. I'm just trying to help these guys get some, uh, get some, some, get laid. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's the way I'm, I'm putting out there. Mark, uh, once again, uh, appreciate you coming on here. Um, you've been a, you've been a 
a beacon for me. I came into the <laughs> shining beacon of liberty. You uh, might say, yeah, no. When uh, first trying to find uh, podcast stuff and the libertarian stuff, and I found yours right away. Uh, so sorry. I've been a big fan. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. I'm a, I'm a big boy. Um, so <laughs> I've been I've been been a big fan. I'm I've fallen you on your new show. I think everyone needs to go and check that out. It's definitely a different awesome. direction. But um, we are podcast libertarian podcast adjacent on this show. So you always have a home here. And I hope well, to meet you. Someday. I think I'll stay adjacent. Yeah, for sure. Oh, geez, he, he just hates the libertarians so much. It's not a problem. All right, everybody, go check out Mark's show. Mark, uh, hang on. I got this uh, unnecessary long outro. And then uh, thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks. Okay, I'm leaving now. Bye, guys. But she's back. And now. Chick-fil-A is completely overrated. It's not that good. I prefer Zaxby's. I prefer Popeye's. Takes a tough man to make a tender forecast, Nick. And I guess that's me. Keep fucking that chicken. For, should I vote for Dick Cheney on the Libertarian Party? Do I yes. have an obligation to vote for Dick Cheney? I would say so. Yes. Did it work for those people? <laughs> no, it never does. I mean, these people somehow delude themselves into thinking it might, but... But it might work for us. That one dude was like, not a podcast, I can't find it anywhere, and they don't have video. <laughs> oh, yeah, Peter Janky, yeah. Easy. Yeah, I blocked him. I'll do it. If he unblocks me, I'll... I'll... He'll buy your shirt if you unblock him, Bert. He's a wigger. Yeah, nothing cooler than so a 49-year-old wigger. Like, yeah, I just started I live streaming. Cut me some slack. I'm fucking... I'm pretty high-tech for a boomer. Uh, but anyways... I'm a boomer. I...